gonna be tried. Purify me.
things that are weighing you down and those snares that easily entrap you, you know, um, for you to experience true freedom in the Lord. So I apologize to you all and I hope you accept my apology and um, let's carry along. Um, does anyone have any testimonies, anything they would like to share? I wanted to share something I just heard on the way in. Um, it was about this man that said he was very successful, had a very successful um, business. And he said he would read all these self-help books. And they were also saying that, I think he said that the number one, one of the number one books is self-help books. But he said like none of it really helped him. He said it helped him with his business but not his personal life. Like he lost everything in his personal life, but he was just saying how the word of God and, and being in God's presence and, you know, getting, giving his life to the Lord just changes life more than any self-help book could. And I just wanted to share that. That's amazing. It's so good. So true. Thank you for sharing. Uh, anybody else? Anybody? Well, I have a, a testimony that I would like to share. Um, it's amazing where the Lord will put you because see, the Lord orchestrates a lot of things, right? Obviously we know that God is sovereign and God can intervene at any time. But what he does is that he lets the God of this world, Satan, be in control. And he also lets us humans that he's given dominion over or dominion to, to, to dominate the earth. And we can totally get lost in the shuffle and the scramble. But if we just take a second to hear God's voice for that moment and that time and that present place you're at, you can see, um, miraculous things happen. And that's what I was talking about when I was apologizing that I'm not, I'm not obeying every conviction that the Holy Spirit's giving me. And I need to. I need to because how am I supposed to be a good representation of Jesus if I can't follow not only what Jesus is saying, but what also I'm preaching. You know what I mean? And I know I'm human and I make mistakes and, you know, I miss the mark, but I feel like the Lord holds me to a different standard right and he holds you guys to a different standard too and we have to obey those convictions and those callings that god has uh ordained for us to be appointed to but also anointed us to finish that assignment so it was monday i was at the gym and i was working out and i saw this young man kind of scrawny you know wears glasses um, I could tell he was Hispanic. Um, anyways, he was wearing this t-shirt, right? And it was a Baphomet t-shirt. If you know who Baphomet is, he's the demon goat God. He's that, that goat head that's on the pentagram. If you've seen that, it's just demonic. Um, there's also statues of that, of that particular demon. And I also saw him have a Baphomet tattoo on his calf. 
and my heart was just getting drawn to this guy. So I'm like, this guy's either like a Satanist or obviously an unbeliever, but the Lord was drawing my heart and I, and I was trying to like, like, Lord, I'm working out right now. Like I'm just, I'm doing my arm workout. I'm trying to get out of here. Like, I just want to relax. And came to a point where we we're sitting side by side on separate benches. And I came to a point where I'm like, okay, Holy Spirit, I'm just going to, I'm going to do what you convict me to do. What do you want me to say to this guy? And the Holy Spirit's like, well, ask him about his shoes. <laughs> so I was like, okay, I'm going to ask him about his shoes. So we just started talking about his shoes. And I was like, yeah, these are really cool. And, you know, yada, yada. Make a long story short, I started asking him about his tattoo of that Baphomet, that goat demon on his calf. And I said, do you believe in that? He's like, no, I just, uh, it's, it's part of a black heavy death metal band symbol. So then if I think about it, if he doesn't believe in it, well, the people that he's listening to believe in it, if they make that their logo and their symbol, does that make sense? Because he's listening to it and he'll become a product of what you listen to, right? It says faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Well, if you listen all to demonic music, what are you going to become? What is your heart going to reflect? So anyways, I started showing him my tattoo and I said, well, look, this is a, a cherubim and this is off, you know, uh, Ezekiel chapter eight, verses 10. And then I told him what it means on the bottom. I said, well, it says in Latin, you know, faith in God prevails. And then I started telling him how Jesus is a far better master than who he's serving. And I said, I used to serve Lucifer, not as a Satanist, but I followed the world standards. I lived in the world. I did what I wanted. And that's what Satan's all about. Do what you want. Be your own God. Be your own master. Be your own ruler. And I was telling him, I said, I was so deceived. And I started sharing my testimony. And I was just telling him that God set me free. And no one ever told me that Jesus loved me. And I just want to tell you that Jesus loves you, bro. And he has a purpose for you and all these things. And he's just looking at me and he's engaged in this conversation. He said, dude, this is so weird. And I'm like, what's weird about it? He's like, about a month ago, I was in Dallas, Texas. And some guy just like you came up to me, said, Jesus loves me and told me the same thing. And I was like, well, I said, dude, connect the dots. I said, God's obviously pulling at your heart and God sends his people like me and that other person to speak to you. We're his mouthpiece. We're a messenger, right? That's what angels are. They're messengers of God. But also it says in the Greek that disciples of Jesus, they called them angelos. So angelos means angel in the Greek. They would also call disciples of Jesus angelos, messengers. Isn't that cool? And so I was telling him about, yeah, dude, I said, God's really pulling out your heart. He really wants you. And I said, he's real. And I said, man, what I said, and I used to say this too, God, if you're real, make yourself known to me. And I said, I promise you he will. I promise you he will. And he looked at me and then he like, he said, so did you, did you just come up to me? Cause I had this t-shirt and this tattoo. And at first it did, I did look at that. But then I told him, I said, you know what? That's outer appearance, man. I said, God looks at the heart. 
and he wants you. And he drawed my heart to you so he could speak to you through me. And the guy was just like, whoa, like, well, thank you, man. It was really nice meeting you. And I said, what's your name? His name was Alejandro. And, you know, I just shook his hand. And I knew at that second I wasn't there. And I even told him, I said, I'm not here to convert you. I'm just trying to tell you that Jesus is real and he loves you. Because he wouldn't send me or have me talk to you, you know. And what I said uh, to him was that uh, I wasn't trying to convert him. And I knew at that time it wasn't my job to lead him into salvation. I knew my job was to water it, to be the waterer of that seed. Because someone else before me planted the seed. I'm watering that seed. So I know the harvest is coming for Alejandro. And I told him what my name was. And he's like, yeah, my, my older brother's name's Christian. I said, yeah, that's it's a good name. I wasn't living like a Christian two years ago, but that's a good name. And uh, I, I believe I'm going to encounter him again at my gym. But what kind of was kind of eye-opener to me, I believe that guy that's in Dallas, Texas, came from LCU, Lifestyle Christianity, because Todd White is the one that disciples people to do that and his church is in Dallas. So I just thought, hmm, that's pretty crazy because that's the one who discipled me on YouTube and the Holy Spirit. So I just thought, wow, isn't that amazing that if you disciple someone, like we focus here and we train people and equip people to go and do the Lord's business and our Father's business, you'll see actually fruit, you'll see things grow and you'll see things manifest. But on what other testimony I have was I've been trying to reach my wife's family and we've been trying to find ways and we've been praying to the Lord, like, Lord God, use us to plant seed, use us to water, use us in a way where we can shine our light. And after the gym, I came home and about to eat. Long story short, Chelsea's mom's best friend came over and they were hanging out by the pool talking and all that. And she came or she didn't come inside, but I walked upstairs and I heard the Holy Spirit told me this kidneys and dialysis, kidneys and dialysis. And I told Chelsea right away, I said, man, I think that woman is dealing with some kidney issues or even dialysis. So I, I told Chelsea to ask her because I don't I don't know her like that and I and I could have went up to her, but Chelsea asked and the woman's like no, but then she's like well yeah like when I went to the hospital they said my kidneys were severely bad that I was going to be on dialysis and and just yesterday I took an Advil and I was thinking I'm like this is going to be horrible on my kidneys, and I was worried. And then she goes up to me, or she turns to me, and she says, how did you know that? And I'm like, oh, perfect. How did I know that? And then I started telling her who, why I have, this, I have this relationship with Jesus through the power of my testimony, but also I have this intimate relationship with the Lord. And I said, the Lord hears your, I even said this, it was so weird because I don't ever say this, but I said, the Lord hears your cries at night when you think he's not listening to you. And I remember saying that to her and she was just like, because I don't know what she's doing, but I know that I'm just being filled with what the Holy Spirit's telling me to do. Anyways, long story short, the, the, 
probably what a good portion of your family was listening to that a good portion of me just having a word of knowledge thinking they're like what is going on i told i'm not a mind reader i don't have a crystal ball i just hear the lord's voice and i said he cares about every little detail about you and he really cares about you. he's he knows your concerns and your worries so as it, it was just amazing to see that and i truly just want to encourage you guys to step out just go and do what the lord has appointed you to do and if you mess up who cares that's just pride anyway we're supposed to die to that a long time ago so let's just walk this thing out with the lord okay um also before we jump in i wanted to i feel like the lord brought me to this today we are going to go over the book of revelation we are going to cover chapters 10 and 11 today so whoever is anticipating to hear the book of revelation we are going to jump in but i don't know if you guys know who charles spurgeon is do you guys know who that is yes you do chelsea does anybody else i do i've heard of him yeah. no okay you haven't stuff me no Okay. I've heard of him too. Okay. How about uh, Rev Kev? Probably not. Okay. (laughs) Well, Charles Spurgeon is a very famous preacher back in the 1800s. And what was amazing about Charles Spurgeon, he had such a great confidence and boldness when he would preach. He would preach to like thousands of people and they'd be sold out like every time when they would, they would come into these stadiums and he would preach the word of God. But he had such an intimate relationship with the Lord. And you can just, you can just hear it in his voice, but also how, what he says is very clear and it's very well known that he has this, a great relationship with Jesus And I know that he also did like great things when he was alive. You know, he started like an orphanage for young kids and God would always provide him to have the resources to help these young homeless kids and have them a shelter home, but also get them fed with the word of God that will truly change their life. Right. So what I look today, because I want to know more about prayer. We are going to cover the book of Revelation, but I, f- I just figure we can do like a little segment of prayer real quick because prayer is so vital, right? Prayer is our direct communication with the Father. So I'm not going to go into super detail, but I definitely want to read these Charles Spurgeon quotes on prayer. Do you guys want to hear it? Okay. I'm going to go from the top. The ve- this is Charles Spurgeon. So this is all his quotes about how important prayer is. And hopefully this resonates whoever's listening and gives you a better understanding why prayer is so important. The very act of prayer is a blessing. Number two, to pray is to enter the treasure house of God and to gather riches out of an inexhaustible storehouse. You are before the Lord. Let your words be few, but let your heart be fervent. As we could 
as as excuse me as well could you expect a plant to grow without air and water as to expect your heart to grow without prayer and faith you will observe that the desire to commune with god is intensified by the failure of all other sources of consolation so Prayer is the best response to hatred. It is well said that neglected prayer is the birthplace of all evil. Prayer is an art which only the spirit can teach us. He is the giver of all prayer. No man can progress in grace if he forsakes prayer. He who knows how to overcome with God and prayer has heaven and earth at his disposal. This is oh, this is fire guys, this is fire. Prayer itself is an art which only the Holy Ghost can teach us. He is the giver of all prayer. Pray for prayer, pray till you can pray. I love that. So practice your prayer language with the Lord and ask the Holy Spirit, teach me how to pray. If you want that splendid power in prayer, you must remain in loving, abiding union with the Lord Jesus Christ. A mighty piece of weaponry in the battle of prayer is God's promise. Cold prayers ask for a denial. Groanings which cannot be uttered are often prayers which cannot be refused. True prayer is the trading of the heart with God. Oh, so awesome. Sometimes when we do not receive comfort in our prayers... When we are broken and cast down, that is when we are really wrestling and prevailing in prayer. That's that's encouragement. Prayer plumes the wings of God's young eagles so that they may learn to mount above the clouds. Prayer brings inner strength to God's warriors and sends them forth to spiritual battle with their muscles firm and their armor in place. I mean, I'm going to read that last sentence. Prayer brings inner strength to God's warriors and sends them forth to spiritual battle with their muscles firm and their armor in place. We know not what prayer can't do. <laughs> Nothing brings such leanness into a man's soul as a lack of prayer. So that's spiritual anemic, right? Prayer and doubts destroyer. Okay, prayer is doubts destroyer. Excuse me. Prayer is doubts destroyer. Ruins remedy. The antidote to all anxieties. All good is born in prayer and all good springs from it. Continue in prayer. And though the blessings tarry, It must come, 
in God's own time, it must appear to you. So don't give up. Whether we like it or not, asking is the rule of the kingdom. Anything is a blessing which makes us pray. I'd rather teach one man to pray than 10 men to preach. Can I get an amen? (laughs) Amen. But if one neglects his closet, that means his secret place, then all evil comes of it. I believe that God hears your prayers because there is a secret work of the spirit going on within you, teaching you to pray. Pray until you can pray. Pray to be helped to pray. And do not give up praying because you cannot pray. For it is when you think you cannot pray, that is when you are praying. Prayer can never be in excess. Prayer girds human weakness with divine strength turns human folly into heavenly wisdom and gives to troubled mortals the peace of God. We know not what prayer can do. Prayer is a creature's strength, his very breath and being. Prayer is not a hard requirement. It is the natural duty of a creature to its creator. The simplest homage that human need can pay to divine liberty. Prayer is the slender nerve that moveth the muscle of omnipotence. I want to say that again. Prayer is the slender nerve that moveth the muscle of omnipotence. So that means we get to access omnipotence through Father, through the Father, and through the Son and the Holy Spirit. The man who has his mouth full of arguments and prayer shall soon have his mouth full of benedictions and answer to prayer. A man who, despite the teaching of scripture, tries to pray without a savior, insults the deity. This one, this is one of my favorite ones right here. The ship of prayer may sail through all temptations and doubts and fears straight up to the throne of God. Just imagine that, your prayer like a sailboat going to that, into the throne room of God. Prayer and praise are the oars by which a man may row his boat into deep waters of the knowledge of Christ. Mm. I know of no better thermometer to your spiritual temperature than this the measure of the intensity of your prayer. And that was by Charles Spurgeon, 40 prayer quotes. Um, Can someone give me any feedback what they would like out of that real quick before we jump in? I wrote down a few of them just because I feel like this is really hitting home for me. Um, But um, I wrote it a lot, but pray to be helped to pray. And it just makes sense because I feel like, at least for me, like I do every, like I've been, you know, in worship and things like that. But I don't know why sometimes it's hard just to like get in your quiet place and just pray. So I feel like that 
helps me because you need to pray to be helped to pray and and I guess it'll just flow better that way yes yes absolutely yeah prayer is so important what was the one um no Stephanie I'll I'll send you guys this and I can send you the link to your email so you guys can check it out because I'm trying to learn more about prayer that I have an intense fiery prayer with boldness for the Lord because I, I can neglect it too but I noticed when I got attacked today, I was in multiple segments of prayer and it really helped me and gave me strength. So I encourage you guys just to push forward. Um, I know Kevin mentioned the one with language. Um, I don't see that one with language. I'll share the, in the meantime, I'll share it while you find that. I'll share the one okay. I talked to me was what was crazy is when you said that all prayer comes from God, like all prayer comes inspired by the Holy Spirit. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's, I don't know, that just hit me. You know, mm. like that's his language. Like that's, prayer is from him. So anybody that's praying, like Holy Spirit is, you know, unctioning them. I, I just thought, yeah. I don't know, that just hit me hard. That was amazing. Yes. The so other one true. too that I wrote down that I was like, huh, it says prayer brings strength to God's warriors, something like that. Yeah, I, I can I can reread that. That is um which one was it? Hold on. Give me one second. I'm just flipping the page. Uh yeah, right here it was it was number eighteen. Prayer plumes the wings of God's young eagles so that they may learn to mount above the clouds. Prayer brings inner strength to God's warriors and sends them forth to spiritual battle with their muscles firm and their armor in place. That's amazing. So you do go into battle, but the Lord gives you strength to go into battle. I like that one. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's amazing. Yeah, uh, Kevin, I don't know which one you're talking about. I don't see the language one. Yeah, I heard this one person say that they've never prayed. And I was like, wow, you like have never prayed. But now that kind of makes sense because it is from God. Yeah, it is. And it's, it's our natural duty, it says, as a creature to its creator. The simplest homage that human need can pay to divine liberty. Yeah, so... Um, Do you have one? Because I think I, I didn't write it down. I was going to, but I, I didn't. But something about... You said something about God listens to all our prayers. Because sometimes I, I get upset because I think he doesn't. Yeah. But I, I know in my heart, in my heart now, I truly believe it in my heart. Yeah. That he does listen to our prayer. And right here, it was first eight that you said that. This is the this is it right here, and I'll, and I'll say it slowly. I believe that God hears your prayers because there is a secret work of the spirit going on within you, teaching you to pray. 
this one lady, she uh, like like talked to Jesus in real life or whatever, or she had a vision. I don't, I'm not, I don't remember the whole story, but mm-hmm. Jesus was saying how every prayer counts and every prayer is accounted for, and there's like a like a prayer bank up in heaven. So don't think like your prayers are not being heard. Yeah, even yeah. if you pray the same thing over and over, right? Because I feel like sometimes you think like, oh, I'm praying this over and over, and maybe it's just like not doing anything, you know? Like our mind tells us that sometimes. Like it hits the ceiling and it falls down. Like it doesn't yeah. go to Like, yeah. I mean, yeah. and I can say because, I mean, at least for my dad, you know, I, and he was, you know, a main person I was praying for when he got diagnosed with cancer, but I had other people as well. And I honestly wrote it down. Like I wrote down all my prayers and every day I would just read them all because it's what I felt in my heart and I just wanted to pray them daily. And um, every day I just kept doing it. And honestly, I can say that, you know, it helped me more than I even knew. Yeah, it's amazing. It says right here too, it says, whether we like it or not, asking is the rule of the kingdom. Did you hear that? I'm sorry. It says, whether we like it or not, asking is the rule of the kingdom. So that is our right, but also that's our way to talk to God. What I wrote down was this. He who knows how to overcome with God in prayer has heaven and earth at his disposal. (laughs) Like that is, that is where my goal is right there. If I know how to overcome with God, it's literally saying that I have unlimited amount of resources. And um, what I'm learning too is, you know, how I pray, pray, and I want my answers, my all my prayers answered. Right. Um, I I just have to wait on Him and His timing, and be yeah. more patient. Be more patient and just let, wait for His timing. Right. And look, and what you said right here is perfect. What Charles Spurgeon said, right? It says continue in prayer. And though the blessings tarry, so that means they're taking its time. It must come in God's own time. It must appear to you. So hopefully that encourages you. Also love when the prayer says it's the antidote to all anxieties. Like, come on. (laughs) like you see so many people on medication when all they need is prayer or need to start praying right yeah wasn't it wasn't it at um wasn't it during one of the services that uh, pastor dave was saying like when we pray uh we actually don't use any part of our brain yeah he says when we actually pray in the spirit in the holy spirit our mind shuts off and it actually comes, they did CAT scans where it actually comes within your stomach and your bowels. And then it rises up. Yeah, because they were saying, like like he said, they did that study and and, and they, they couldn't really explain how your brain shuts off because your brain is moving a million miles an hour. So like your brain shuts off. So that just shows you like how calm you can get when you actually pray, you know, because I've heard people say they pray when they have anxiety and then like, boom, like that, it's gone. So, you know, your, your, your mind is shut off when, when to start, when you start praying, you know, you, 
that's you talking to God. So God's like, you know, we're going to shut that down and, and we're going to talk, you know? Yeah. You know, you just, you had something just coming in my thoughts and it's the Holy Spirit. Cause I was listening to Colossians chapter four in the new living translation. And it says, um, hold on just one second. I'm going to pull it up. Yeah, Kevin, I wanted to share how, while you look for that scripture, I want to share how, like, it's your spirit praying, right? It's not your mind. It's not your brain. It's like your spirit. But that was so yeah, it, it's yeah, it's it's always like, you know, you always have something on your mind, and you're always thinking, and you're always like moving, and you know, we tend to get distracted so fast. But once we actually start praying, and you and you pray in that spirit, everything just like shuts down, and then it's it, it's God just saying, "This is my time." Yeah, that's awesome. So, I never knew that. that. Yeah, right here at Colossians chapter three verse 15 and let this is the new living translation and let the peace that comes from christ rule in your hearts for as members of one body you are called to live in peace and always be thankful so we're supposed to have this continuous ruling of jesus christ's peace in our heart and that's through prayer remember what uh Charles Spurgeon said right here, if you want that splendid power in prayer, you must remain in loving, abiding union with the Lord Jesus Christ. Abiding union with the Lord Jesus Christ in love. That's how you have splendid power in prayer. So I just wanted to encourage you guys because I feel like the Lord drawed me to here for me because I was seeking it. Also, I want to share, right? Well, God has freely given, right? Also, you freely give, right? And um, so I just wanted to share that with you guys. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it. And if you guys want it, I can send you the link. And I can also send it to the link for you guys that are listening through uh, Anchor, Apple, and whatever podcast platform, okay? Um, let's jump into prayer. <clears throat> Father, we just come to you right now. We thank you for this time, this unity, that we can get we can get into this place of worship. That we can we can discuss testimonies to glorify you, Jesus, to magnify you, to exalt you for what you're doing here on the earth, and that you're using your beloved sons and daughters, Father, to be representations of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we thank you, Father, for your grace. We thank you that we have this abiding union and love with the Lord Jesus Christ. We are so thankful that the Holy Spirit has full dominion and power over here. That Holy Spirit teach us today how to pray. Teach us how to grow in our prayer language with the Lord. Teach us how to be more effective. Teach us how to be more surrendered and yield. Teach us to have this desire to constantly have communion with the Lord. That Lord God, you're strengthening your soldiers for battle to go into the spiritual battle that is that is for us to conquer and to overcome with you father that our muscles are firm and our armor is in place 
And we thank you for this time that you would just move through, that you would have your way, that we would grow in fellowship, that we would become great men and women of God that serve you wholeheartedly. We ask for the refiner's fire to be set upon our hearts today. That, Lord God, you would purify us and sanctify us through the blood of Jesus, but also identify and highlight anything that is holding us back from having an intimate, personal relationship with you. We want to be reliable. We want to be loyal to you. We want to just be in this place where we could be seated right beside you. That, Father, you're not far away, that you're closer than a brother, Jesus, that you're here in the midst of us. So be in the middle of us right now. Help me to speak your word with truth, with power, with righteousness, with love, and with peace, Lord. Fill me, Holy Spirit, right now. And flow and touch many people all around the world right now for your glory. For your glory, Lord Jesus, not mine. This is your podcast, not mine. Have your way. We give you all the going on and praise the blessing, Lord God, giving peace and joy. We cancel any operations of the demonic force that's trying to uh, disrupt, erupt, and destroy this podcast. We bind you in the name of Jesus, and we cast you into the pit of hell. And we give you all the glory and honor and praise that we are going to be disciples for Jesus and we're going to destroy hell for a living. So we give you all the glory and praise in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. All right. Woo. Okay. I know we're starting a little late, but we're going to get through this. <laughs> all right. Um, let's do this. Um, the might. Okay. So we're going to talk about the book of Revelation today. Um, also, just to give you a heads up, one of my buddies, his name is Pastor Andrew, and he is like a scholar, theologian. He is going to preach next week. So I would love for everybody that's listening now and who's going to be listening in the future to tune in next Thursday at 7 p.m. And we'll be discussing chapters 12 and 13. But today we'll be discussing, we'll be discussing chapter 10 and chapter 11. And also, just to give credit to where it's due, um, I use the New King James Version Spirit-Filled Life Bible. Um, This Bible has helped me to really be transformed and grown just tremendously. Uh, It's the third edition, and also it's just, it's a study Bible. So, uh, you know, the executive editor is Jack W. Hayford. And then it all has a bunch of these other associate editors and Old Testament editors. And it's published by Thomas Nelson since 1798. But I use this study Bible because it really helps me to to better help. It helps me to better explain, but also helps me to comprehend. So that's what we're here for, right? This Bible study is for us to grow as disciples as fellow Christians, as brothers and sisters in Christ to serve one master and the one true living God, and that's Jesus. And we are here to help each other. So I just want to give credit where it's due. And uh, this is what I use. And I also do other research and I'm always trying to grow in this. So um, like I said, I'm not a scholar. I am not a pastor, but I have had an encounter with Jesus. And I choose to be his disciple and I choose to follow him. So that's me. (laughs) 
but let's uh, let's carry along. So the title is The Mighty Angel with the Little Book. I saw still another mighty angel coming down from heaven, clothed with a white, with a cloud, excuse me, and a rainbow was on his head. His face was like the sun and his feet like pillars of fire. He had a little book open in his hand and he set his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the land and cried with a loud voice as when a lion roars. When he cried out, seven thunders uttered their voices. I was about to write, but I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, seal up the things which the seven thunders uttered and do not write them. So I'm going to stop right there before verse five. And it says the mighty angel, similar to the appearance to the one like the son of man is obviously his special envoy. His stance indicates that he has a message for the whole world. So if I'm in, I was listening to this other Bible scholar about how this guy was talking about this mighty angel. This angel is so big that he can be on land and water. So it's, it's, a, it's actually a form of intimidation too, to show you like, this isn't even God. This is just an angel that God sent. But it's resembled like Jesus. And what the guy was saying was really fascinating. This is not from the from the study Bible, but it was from a scholar that I was watching on YouTube. And he was saying that all these representations of angels in the Bible have somewhat depicted of Jesus. So just for example, my tattoo, right? He was talking about it. He says, the cherubim has four faces, a face of a man, a face of a lion, a face of an eagle, and a face of a calf. And he said, the lion represents Jesus, the lion of Judah. The representative of a man is the son of man. The representative of an eagle is that Jesus comes from above. And the represent of a calf is a represent of a servant. <laughs> I was like, wow. So even like when we talked about last week about all the names of Jesus in the Bible, now all these things that angels are, are depicted of Jesus to glorify Jesus. Oh, I just thought it was so fascinating when I heard that. But to carry along. The seven thunders is the voice of the Lord. Okay, so now we know distinctly the seven thunders that were uttered are from the Lord. Okay. We're going to carry to verse five. The angel whom I saw standing on the sea and on the land raised up his hand to heaven and swore by him who lives forever and ever who created heaven and the things that are in it, the, the earth and the things that are in it, and the sea and the things that are in it, that there should be delay no longer. But in the days of the sounding of the seventh angel, when he is about to sound the mystery of God, would be finished 
as he declared to his servants, the prophet. So what I heard this theologian was talking on YouTube also, he said that this angel is swearing on the highest person he can, who ever exists. So, you know, like, oh, I swear on my dad, right? Like we hear that, or I swear on my boss. Well, this angel is swearing, like he can't even swear above on his name. He has to swear on the name of the Lord God Almighty. There's nothing above the Lord God Almighty. So I thought that was really fascinating because now he's saying no more tearing, no more delay. Judgment is now. Like we're taking over now. And I love what he said is that God, our father, is sovereign. He can step in when he wants to and intercede. But the devil, Satan, Lucifer, is the God of this world. And he, I know I might get in trouble for this because people can be like, what? He's actually in charge of the world right now. Because, well, as, let me, let me explain and let me finish. Because what Adam and Eve did in the Garden of Eden, we gave up our legal rights that we are the ones that have full dominion. We still have dominion on the earth as humans. But what happened is what we lost all legal rights due to the fall of sin. But Jesus came and redeemed us. And now God's like, I'm taking over now. I'm taking back what belongs to me and is mine anyway. And I like how he was saying that he was saying that God doesn't smite us or come and intervene because first of all it's our free will he lets us do it he lets us get away with all the stuff that satan does and what humans do and what i do and what you do he doesn't come and intervene and boom like crack you with judgment and then you're done right because uh back in the day that's how it was but there's grace and mercy, and that's because of the blood of Jesus. So we're given this this day of redemption and salvation through Jesus. Okay, verse 8. And the voice which I heard from heaven spoke to me again and said, this is John speaking, Go take the little book which is open in the hand of the angel who stands on the sea and on the earth. So I went to the angel and said to him, Give me the little book. And he said to me, take it and eat it. And it will make your stomach bitter, but it will be as sweet as honey as in your mouth. Then I took the little book out of the angel's hand and I ate it. And it was as sweet as honey in my mouth. But when I had eaten it, my stomach became bitter. And he said to me, you must prophesy again about many peoples, nations, tongues, and kings. Okay, so for me, just, just giving my opinion, I always thought this was like really weird in the Bible. I'm like, okay, first of all, there's this mighty, huge angel, but he has a little, little book 
And then he's telling John to eat the book. And then he's like, hey, it's going to taste really sweet in your mouth, but then it's going to be really sour and bitter in your stomach. And I just never, I never understood the purpose or what that meant. But now doing studying and research and growing in this, I can be able to interpret it and also explain it to everyone that's listening, okay? Because Jesus said, it is a blessing who listens or who reads this prophecy. Um, I know some people don't get the significance of the book of Revelation, but why would God put this in the Bible if he didn't want us to understand it? God's not like that. God wants you to understand, but God maybe wants you to dive deeper into actually knowing him and actually knowing what he's saying and, and knowing what's predestined before the foundations of the world. Okay. There is much that God does want us to know. When the angel raised up his hand represents a solemn oath. Okay. Delay no longer refers to the fulfillment of God's purpose. Right. So remember I was telling you about the angel that made that oath to God that like, Hey, God, we're, I'm, I'm making an oath to your name. It's the highest of high. There's nothing else above it. And judgment's coming upon the earth now. The mystery of God will be finished is a reference to, excuse me, is a reference to God's total redemptive plan and unfolded in the final events of the end that yet remain. The mystery of God would be finished. Verse 7 correlates with Daniel chapter 9, verse 24. The finishing of God's final purpose concerning nation, national Israel in the city of Jerusalem. Even though national Israel is promised deliverance, she must first experience suffering and judgment. Okay, the little book. The little book is not the scroll which only the lamb could unseal. So we, el- we eliminated that factor since it is open. The little book is the gospel that John and the two witnesses are to proclaim. So now we have a clear distinction of what that is now. The gospel. It is possible but improbable that the references is to... I think it says to Chronicles chapter 12, verse 22. Then when it says eat, the message must saturate the personality of the proclaimer. Wow, that's good. That's why you had to eat it. The message must saturate the personality of the proclaimer. Bitter and sweet. The message brings God's grace, love, and mercy, but when rejected, it brings inevitable judgment. A second interlude presents another perspective on the witnessing church, especially amid tribulation and persecution. So did, did that help clear that and make sense more? Does anyone have questions about that before we carry on to chapter 11? If not, we'll jump into chapter 11. Okay, the two witnesses. Then I was given a reed like a measuring rod. And the angel stood saying, rise and measure, excuse me, 
rise and measure the temple of God, the altar and those who worship there. But leave out the cord, which is outside the temple, and do not measure it, for it has been given to the Gentiles, and they will treat the holy city underfoot for 42 months, and I will give power to my two witnesses, and they will prophesy 1,260 days clothed in sackcloth all right so we're gonna stop for just a second there i don't think i need to go through all this i'll go through a bit so obviously john is giving these measurements of the of god's temple and god's altar and i said that obviously the temple of god refers to the people of god the body of christ the altar is the altar of incense, symbolizing the prayers of the saints. Those who worship there are all the preserved saints. The court of the Gentiles is not to be measured for protection. And 42 months or three and a three and one half years suggested a limited time rather than a literal time. And then it goes down to how and then it goes down into more deeper um, explanations. But I feel like right now we don't need to cover that. We can just keep going and we can keep moving forward. Okay. Verse four. These are the two olive trees and the two lampstands standing before the God of the earth. And if anyone wants to harm them, fire proceeds from their mouth and devours their enemies. And if anyone wants to harm them, he must be killed in this manner. These have power to shut down or to shut heaven so that no rain falls in the days of their prophecy. And they have no power, and they, excuse me, they have power over the waters to turn them into blood and to strike the earth with all plagues as often as they desire. Now, does anyone have a suggestion of who these two witnesses might be? Anyone? Is it Elijah and Enoch? That's good. Yep, you're right. Um, I believe that. And I believe you're right because this is why I make this... Um, this accusation of why I believe it's them because Enoch and Elijah have never died. All men are appointed to die once. And the thing is what happened to Elijah. So I'll just make this brief and you guys can do your own research. Elijah was actually brought up to heaven in a fiery chariot. Did you know that? In a whirlwind up into heaven. And that's when Elijah gave that double anointing to Elijah. Yeah, I know. It's, there's two Elijahs. <laughs> Elisa and Elijah. Okay. But Elijah went up 
And I believe who took him up was Jesus. Jesus came down in that fiery chariot and took him up into heaven. Now with Enoch, Enoch was before Elijah. They said that Enoch was walking with the Lord. Like Enoch had this crazy, incredible relationship with God. That one time Enoch was walking with the Lord, talking, and the Lord just took him up. So those two have never died. And those two are prophets of God. So that's my assumption. But there's many that believe that. That those two, Enoch and Elijah, and I just gave you a quick synopsis of those two prophets. You can further look into them. But um, I'm going to go over here and talk about this a little bit more. The two witnesses identified as the two olive trees and the two lampstands are symbols of witnessing church militant, proclaiming the gospel accompanied by signs and wonders. They are purposely not identified as individuals, although they are reminiscent of Zerubbabel, excuse me, Zerubbabel and Joshua as well as Elijah and Moses, sackcloth like the trumpet warnings, God's word is a call to repentance. So this is their interpretation of it. I, I, I believe that it is Elijah and Enoch, but there's many other people that can argue against that. And you know what? I think we should ask Pastor Andrew next week because he's studied this um, book of Revelation for like, like 60 hours like he studies a lot the book of revelation so that'd be a good question that we can maybe ask him but let's carry along verse seven and when they finish their testimony the beast that ascends out of the bottomless pit will make war against them and overcome them and kill them and their bodies will be will lie in the street of the great city which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. Then those from the peoples, tribes, tongues, and nations will see their dead bodies in three and a half days and not allow their dead bodies to be put into graves. And those who dwell on the earth will rejoice over them, make merry, and send gifts to one another, because these two prophets tormented those who dwell on the earth. So this is a lot. This is like, what is going on here? So the beast that comes from the bottomless pit is going to overcome these two witnesses that God has sent, kill them. And now the whole world is seeing them dead and no one can touch them. And they're like in a, I don't know, maybe a courtyard or just out in public, just like rotting. Oh, that's, that's just horrific. So what it talks about this is that the beast from the bottomless pit is pictured as actually functioning before the description of its origin. 
which is additional evidence that the visions are not in chronological order. Make war is an appropriate description of the persecution of the church militant, as well as of the two individual prophets. And, you know, this came into just in my remembrance, and I always feel like the Holy Spirit told me, but like, this could only happen now because a hundred years ago, we didn't have the technology that we do now that everyone could view these prophets that die all around in actual time live all across the world. We have that type of technology now. You know, Israel became a nation um, in 1947, May May 13th, May 15th, May 14th. It's one of those, but that's why we look at things biblical prophecy that happens because this wouldn't be able to happen a hundred years ago. All right. Their dead bodies, literally their corpse is a singular, not plural symbolize the body of Christ that now appears to have overcome. So three days, right? Jesus died. Right. And then rose and then rose again or rose again on the third day. The great city is not literally the physical city of Jerusalem, but spiritually the world in rebellion against God. Sodom symbolizes immorality and Egypt symbolizes the political oppression of the people of God in this world where our Lord was crucified. Isn't that amazing how everything is this detail? God has every significant symbolization. And what talks about spirituality and the Greek is phenomenetikos, means to compare, means uh, pneumonia, and pneumatic, and pneumatology, an adverb denoting symbolical of spiritual sense. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, the word is used to describe why natural reasoning cannot comprehend things of the spirit. They are discerned spiritually, or in the Greek, phenomatikos, when the aid of the Holy Spirit here in Jerusalem is called Sodom, for it is gross spiritual perversity in Egypt for opposing God's plans and purposes. All right. Got a good explanation there. We're going to carry along. Verse 11. Now, after the three and a half days, the breath of life from God entered them and they stood on their feet and great fear fell on those who saw them. And they heard a loud voice from heaven saying, then come up here. And they ascended, they ascended into heaven in a cloud and their enemies saw them in the same hour. There was a great earthquake and the tenth of the city fell. In the earthquake, 7,000 people were killed. Wow. And the rest were afraid and gave glory to God of heaven. The second woe is past. Behold, the third woe is coming quickly. Now, this is the first time that we've seen God's judgment where they're actually praising and giving glory to God in heaven. So I think this is very uh, significant. Also, in the the earthquake, 7,000 people were killed. 
so God is still victorious over this. Yeah, the beast overcame them in the bottomless pit, right? But these prophets still would breathe the breath of life and then boom, just shot up into heaven. Okay, the seventh trumpet, the kingdom proclaimed. Then the seventh angel sounded and there were loud voices in heaven saying, the kingdom of this world has become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ and he shall reign forever and ever. So now we're now the kingdom of God has fully expanded and covered ground on the earth. We're now the kingdoms of our Lord and his Christ. He shall reign forever and ever. And remember the 24 elders around God's throne room, right? Who sat before God on their thrones, fell on their faces and worshiped God saying, we give you thanks, O Lord God Almighty, the one who is and the one who was and the one who is to come. Because you have taken your great power and reigned. The nations were angry and your wrath has come. And the time of the dead that they should be judged. That you should reward your servants, the prophets and the saints. And those who fear your name, small and great. And should destroy those who destroy the earth. And the temple of God was opened in heaven. And the ark of his covenant was seen in his temple. And there was lightnings, noises, thunderings, and earthquakes, earthquakes, and great hail. Wow. So John reminds his readers that they are continuously in the presence of the throne, in the temple of God, in heaven. The throne is the ark of his covenant, specifically the mercy seat. A reminder of God's faithfulness in remembering his people. So. I can stop there or I can go further on explaining the two witnesses. Do you want to hear a little bit about that? Okay, I'll just go real briefly about the two witnesses going back to them. My two witnesses are believed to be either Moses and Enoch or Moses and Elijah. Enoch and Elijah escaped physical death by translation. Moses was sovereignly taken from the grave and glorified. Some dispensational authors feel this view is not consistent with the context because the two witnesses are killed, then resurrected. They feel this is unlikely with respect to the glorified men. Whether or not they are literally Moses and Enoch or Moses and Elijah, these two men will certainly manifest power equal to these Old Testament prophets. This is confirmed in the various symbolisms. Fire proceeds from their mouth. They shut heaven so that no rain falls. They turn waters to blood They work many other signs and miracles. The beast, who is the leader of the coalition, finally kills them, but not until they finish their testimony. So just to clear that up about the two witnesses, no one knows until they will actually see it, but we can have a good good nudge or a good, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A good knowing that it might be Elijah and Enoch or Moses and Enoch 
with Moses and Elijah. So that's all I have for you guys today. Um, before we close out, I always want to give everyone the opportunity to make Jesus their Lord and Savior today. So if you do not know the Lord Jesus and that you want a relationship with him, you don't want to face God's wrath and judgment. This is your opportunity for freedom, salvation, and deliverance from the kingdom of darkness today. And that you'll be transferred into the kingdom of light today with the father of lights, a great father he is. Merciful with grace and love. And Jesus paid that sacrifice so we can have this relationship with our father and with him and his spirit, the Holy Spirit. So I want to give you this opportunity. It says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord, they shall be saved. Okay. Romans 10. So if you want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior today and be sealed with the seal of promise and redemption, I want you to repeat this after me. Father, I come to you. I am a sinner and I have sinned against you in heaven. I ask for your mercy and your grace and your love to be shown to me today. Jesus, I believe you are the son of God. I believe that you, Jesus, died on the cross for my sins, every one of them, and that you rose on the third day with the resurrection power seated at the right hand of God. I ask you, Jesus, to save me, to make me whole, and to purify me. Jesus, you have my life. I renounce Satan and sin, and I make you, Jesus, my master, my Lord, my Savior, and my King forever and ever. I ask you, Father, to fill me with the Holy Spirit. I believe and receive all these things. In Jesus' name, I ask. Amen. So if you pray that for the first time today, you are saved. You are written in the book of life. You are now a child of the one true living God. You have received the seal of promise and redemption, the Holy Spirit. And all of heaven is rejoicing for your choice to make Jesus your Lord, your Savior, and your King. Lord God, just bless them as they go. Lord God, help them to prosper. Touch each and every one here, Lord God, that their, that their hearts were open for your word today. 
that, Lord God, that I did my best, and I pray that the Holy Spirit would do the rest. So I believe, Christ, what you reveal, you heal, and that you would touch many of your of your people, Lord God, across the nation, that they would see this fresh outpouring of your spirit, Lord God, throughout all the world, and that you are strengthening them to be warriors for you, to go into spiritual battle, but that they would have this abiding armor in unity with the Lord Jesus but also they'd be strong in their faith. Lord God, help them to fight the good fight of faith. I pray that, Lord God, there's a protection over them, that no weapon formed against them shall prosper, Lord God, that they'd be healed from the top of their head to the soles of their feet, Lord God. If anyone's dealing with any tears in their leg or hamstring, Lord God, I pray that you give them brand new hamstring, brand new ligaments and tendons, Lord God, that you would heal them with a brand new leg, that all pain, discomfort, get out. Spirit of infirmity, get out. Spirit of affliction, get out right now. And be whole and healed, leg, in Jesus' mighty name. I give you all, every type of bone that was broken, be amended right now in Jesus' mighty name. Holy Spirit, that you would touch them right now as we speak. Right now, in Jesus' name. Full wholeness, Lord. Full mobility, no more stiffness. No more achiness, no more arthritis, healed, fibromyalgia, be healed in Jesus' name. Peripheral vision, be healed in Jesus' name. We give you all the glory and honor and praise. Also, minds be healed. Migraines go in Jesus' name. Full restoration, Lord Jesus, you touch them and heal them through the power of the Holy Spirit. Hearts be healed in Jesus' name. Colon cancer, be healed in Jesus' name. Out now. Brand new colon, Lord, in Jesus' name. Command you, foul spirit, to leave. That spirit of cancer, get out in Jesus' name. We give you all the glory and honor and praise in Jesus' mighty name. Give you all the glory, power, dominion, and praise forever and ever. Amen. All right. That is it.